0: On this week's episode, is it good to be the bad guys? Has MetaQuest taken over the VR market? And are you ready for a massive dose of Nick Cage? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there that's all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, Vampires and Vitae, Wizards and Wine, and all the great things that we do at the Pop Culture Cosmos, popculturecosmos.com, plus also, as well, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we're not only the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, and you can catch all of our great games almost all week long. Right there, at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Wizards and Wine, Vampires and Vitae, Roger trying to destroy us on the Demolition Force. (laughs) Whatever Mitch is doing on the weekends, because he usually runs one, if not two, great games there. I really highly recommend Mitch's games. to Check him out because he really does create a nice scenario each and every time out as he destroys his players on the weekend. Plus also as well, you catch the latest news and information on the world of pop culture if you like us right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But it wouldn't be a PC Multiverse without my good friend, it's our own overseer of everything pop culture cosmos when it comes to tabletop RPG action. She is the mastermind behind all of that. You got to go ahead and check her out today at Vampires of Bete, Wizards and Wine, Pop Culture Cosmos, and the whole nine yards. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda. Sorry in advance, but you're going to be seeing a lot of me at (laughs) NAB next week.
1: Can you believe it's next week? We lost a month, right? Like it's just missing somewhere in the multiverse. (laughs) It's just, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yes. We're going to spend so much time together. You're going to be sick to death. It's going to be great. Of my face, not in general.
0: You know, I'm just going to say that could be a joke that Robbie... Could say, but I'm just going to go ahead and leave that one alone (laughs) for now. But speaking of multiverse, we will be talking on the show about your thoughts on the tabletop RPG that I talked about on the Monday show. That is the Marvel Multiverse RPG that they previewed to the world out there this past week. So you, as our tabletop RPG expert aficionado, are going to talk about your thoughts on the Marvel tabletop RPG action coming up here in a bit. Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking some VR action with MetaQuest versus a PSVR2. How things have changed in one year since we last really covered the VR marketplace with PlayStation VR really being the big thing in the world of VR. How things have changed in a year. Where is the marketplace today and why is MetaQuest bashing gamers while still trying to go ahead and embrace them as well. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Plus also as well, we're talking Moon Knight, Episode 4. It's really getting out there. We're talking some really weird stuff going on. So we'll be talking Moon Knight, Episode 4 in a bit. Netflix has some big time issues. Well, sometimes it's heavy wearing the crown, being the king of streaming. Well, you know what? They're going through some growing pains, and we'll talk about how much they are going through as far as in dollar amounts. That's coming up here in a bit. Plus, also as well, we saw the latest Marvel trailer drop for Thor Love and Thunder. That debuted this week, so we'll talk about our thoughts on Lady Thor and Jane Foster, the return for her in the Thor and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit as well. But first, my friend, it actually is going to be a very interesting weekend because you've got the holdovers in Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. You've got also what's going on with Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which actually in certain times this week has overtaken first place domestically here at the box office. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of drop in the second week Fantastic Beasts has because we know it's already underwhelmed in Expectations. And there's also the movies that are coming out this weekend, and there's some good stuff I think that's coming out of the way. The first thing I want to talk about is The Northman, with Alexandra Skarsgard, Willem Dafoe. There's a, you know, nice cast of characters there. It takes you back to like kind of like a Viking era type deal, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really got a lot of interesting action to it. And if you see the cuts that have been out there, or the footage, you know, from the scenes that they've been showcasing yeah. out there, because it is of the three movies that are out this week, it's the one that needs the most help in promotion and advertising because it's, it's the least known among audiences. It is kind of weird when they show those action sequences and there's just like the striking and go the the axes going into the guys or the other individuals, the warriors that are out there and. The, yeah, there's no blood spurting or anything like that. Not that I'm trying to go ahead and say I'm bloodthirsty or anything like that. Sure, you know, yeah. You're the vampires in Vitae over there. <laughs> but I'm trying to say that, you know, I think there's a level of realism that audiences expect in something like that and that they're not getting, which with the Northmen, you might get a lot of people saying, oh, well, that's looking good.
1: Yeah. I mean, when when I've watched the trailers, I didn't notice that the blood was missing.
0: Okay, well, that's good. I mean, if you don't, yeah. then maybe a lot. Of, but I noticed that some of the critiques that's out there, that's kind of funny as far as that's concerned, that they brought that up as a thing. And I don't think ultimately it would be the reason why someone would say, I'm not going to watch it or, or I am going to watch it. And it came out to really strong reviews. That's a great sign for the North. But it's the one movie I think that needs the most help this weekend. It needs the most momentum because the other two movies have certain reasons why I think one or the other will actually come out on top.
1: Okay. I'm certainly intrigued. I mean, you put a sword in a movie and I'm going to watch the movie.
0: <laughs> he has that Conan, the Alexander Skarsgård. You know, he has that you know, long hair action and, you know, trying to look all Conan-ish as he goes around and goes and gets in the battle. So it may be in a trilogy type deal. If it does well enough, then where you could see it go from here as far as telling the narrative. So it'll be interesting. It's, it's something that, you always want to see kind of unique pictures. You want to see unique and novel ideas, not regurgitations of the same thing and sequels and things of that nature all the time. So it's interesting to see when you have a movie like the Northman come out that does tell kind of an original story. Although some of it's from what I'm reading, the synopsis is pretty much things that you've seen before, but yeah. the fact that it's a newer IP or a new IP that's brought out onto this format in, in the movies I, I like it. I like I like the fact that it bring out because this is a big risk in the days where you could have just slapped it on the Netflix and there you go.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and good for them for maybe they've already accepted that it's not going to be a number one movie at the box office. Are they shooting for mediocrity? I don't think that that's the case, but I don't think that they maybe are intending for this movie to be number one at the box office.
0: Well, it's just weird how maybe these days you when you have those. I think I'm going to call it a mid tier movie where it's a movie that's getting some press, that's getting yeah. some pub, that's getting some advertising that maybe would have been better suited as something like we saw from The Tomorrow War, which, again, I I cannot stand the movie, but you saw that Amazon Prime paid $200 million for that movie, and they spent another 10 15 20 25 maybe even $50 million extra in promoting it because you saw it as far as the packaging you saw it as far as in boxes. You saw it as far as all over Amazon. You you right. couldn't escape it if you tried. Maybe if they would have sold it to an Amazon or Paramount Plus or an Apple Plus, maybe they would have gotten a little bit better out of it than what they were expecting. Because I'm sure they were expecting that it should do well enough to warrant it, putting it out on the big screen.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they must know something that we don't. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's going to be an amazing film.
0: I hope so. I hope so indeed. But other Me too. I
1: enjoy Skarsgard, so I'm I'm excited to see him, you know, in a more central role.
0: Alexander Skarsgard, he's never had the lead role in this type of platform. So if it does get to the point where it becomes a hit or even a moneymaker, there you go. That's all someone like that needs as far as to take off, as far as, oh, he's the next big name in Hollywood. So we'll see what happens there. But also at the movies this weekend. Before we get to the one I really want to talk about, we're going to talk about the animated movie Bad Guys. And this is something that could be very sneakily good as the crowd that watched the past couple weeks, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, may migrate over to Bad Guys. Your thoughts on Bad Guys... Again, it's gotten some advertising. It hasn't gotten as much advertising as I thought. I think there's going to be, like Josh constantly says on our show, on the Monday show, that he did not see the advertising for certain movies and didn't even know it was out. This could be one where he didn't know it was out until it actually got released. But I, I see good things for bad guys.
1: Yeah, I I had to search out anything for this movie. I, I didn't see any advertisements for it myself either. So I'm with, I'm with Josh on this one, sir. Okay, <laughs> some point. A case point. Because it does have
0: a nice cast. I mean, Mark Marone, Craig Robinson, Aquafina, Sam Rockwell, like I mentioned. There's some really good actors in this. I mean, hey, it's a great payday for them. They just go ahead and sit in front of a mic and they go ahead and they can act right there for you. It's always good when they can do that. So easy money per se, but these are kind of the movies that you see them really doing a good job from universal i mean universal does stuff with like i think the boss baby and then also as well yeah. the sing 2 so these are the movies that they've really done well with as far as animated wise so i don't think anybody thought at the time sing was going to be that massive hit and sing 2 has been a, just as big of a hit as well so this could be a great follow-up in the bad guys so we'll see what happens there They're all just trying to make money two weeks before Doctor Strange too, because everybody knows once two weeks hit from now. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over. It's all over for anybody else (laughs) trying to make money. But the last thing I want to talk to you about before we hit the break Mm -hmm. is Nick Cage being Nick Cage in a movie that has such a long title. The commercials now just say massive talent. The unbearable weight of massive talent is the actual full length title All you're going to be hearing is Massive Talent, Massive Talent, Massive Talent, Massive Talent. It's actually the unbearable weight of Massive Talent, which stars Nick Cage, (laughs) Pedro Pascal being this ultra super fan. And they get a whole bunch of trouble with Tiffany Haddish. Good cast. It looks like it's going to be a nice comedy with Nick Cage for two hours poking fun at none other than Nick Cage. Your thoughts on this? I'm really looking forward to this one. I I may catch this one in theaters just because... It's the highest profile movie that Nick Cage has had in quite some time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so excited to see Nick Cage and Tiffany Haddish on the screen together. This is such a bizarre pairing that I'm expecting magic to come out of it. The the two Uh, of them. I mean, I'm hoping for just ridiculous amounts of chemistry between the two of them.
0: And I'm hoping that this will be of any of the movies with all apologies to the Northman and bad guys. I'm hoping this one will be the greatest success because of the fact that after many years of going on that same VOD route, yes, as we saw Bruce Willis and as we saw these other acclaimed actors or once big name actors have taken that road, he had some financial reasons why he had to go ahead and do these type of roles. I think he had what, through through a divorce because what he's on his third or fourth wife I he, oh gosh yeah multiple wives by now but yes he so he's had to pay a lot in alimony in order to do so <laughs> and it, he's had to go ahead and take care of a lot of movies and, and unfortunately take some roles that were not exactly the best in interest at heart there but that's over the past decade but we are now getting a Nick Cage Renaissance and I'm glad to see it as someone who met. Nick Cage a long, long time ago. And it's actually living in the same city that you and I live in here in Las Vegas. Strangely, we haven't bumped into him here, but I did bump into him when I was running a go-kart track. And I told you I would tell the story. Back in 1990, I used to be able to run everything that was going on on the outside operations. So I am that voice you would hear always with the stern warnings and tell people to stop trying to take out their friends into the walls. (laughs) Right. Yeah. After the go-kart track closed for the night, they brought this private party in there. And here comes Nick Cage and Charlie Sheen with their entourages of, yes, the beautiful set of ladies coming in with them. Arm in arms, just all coming in.
1: They're right. already,
0: well, I can assume that they were already quite inebriated. So you put 10 of these people or dozen of these people together hangers on the whole nine yards security people and all that back at that time. And you put them all together, put them in go-karts already liquored up and maybe whatever else is they've already been alleged to be doing during that time. Tell, it's a wild time. And with me shouting (laughs) at the top of my lungs, (laughs) knock it off several (laughs) times at them and yelling at them. So my interactions with Nick cage are not the most pleasant, you got to yell at Nick Cage, though. I yelled at Nick Cage, I mean... and I yelled at Charlie Sheen, and yeah, yeah, the whole entourage, because they were all trying to go in this different ways around the track, in opposite ways, and they're all trying to go ahead and do their own thing. I'm just like, I'm not having any of this. Yeah, that's if, amazing. You know, if I'm not letting the five and seven-year-old kids do it, I'm not letting you guys do it either. So you guys <laughs> all go around in the same fashion and don't try to kill each other, but- yeah, that's my story. You know, like I said, they left after an hour, they tipped everybody and everything was fine. But it is the unbearable weight of massive talent. It's coming this weekend. I'm a good sized Nick Cage fan. Are you?
1: Yes, absolutely. I have a Nick Cage story. It's not a personal one, but it's one that I read about. Oh, I was hoping you say
0: you saw him up there on. Oh my gosh! Can you
1: imagine? No. So we actually were getting ready to send an invitation for Nick Cage to come and join us for an episode or two of Vampires Invitae. We were going to try it just to see if it happened. It was right around the same time that Jeff Goldblum got invited and actually agreed to go on to a D&D podcast. So we were like, hmm, Nick Cage lives in Las Vegas. Let's mm-hmm. see. But anyway, it was shortly after we started to really seriously talk about it that we found out that he sold his house. So I don't think he's in town anymore. Okay, because um, he
0: says he still lived here for 17 years. So it's still referred to in the article I last read it a couple of days ago that he said he's he right. here
1: one we of his want, properties maybe
0: <laughs> maybe maybe well he wanted to try and to get funding for a movie studio here in las vegas and the, unfortunately that fell through through uh, because of some other plans uh, sure. that he, yeah upset on i think elon musk he was upset at because of, uh, some funding went his way instead of nick cage's but uh, yeah but go ahead any last yeah, thoughts so, before we hit so the
1: break this story yeah so nick cage once wrote off a cobra snake in his taxes
0: not surprised All right. So
1: the IRS gets it and they're like, excuse me, but we're going to have to send somebody out to, to check this out. So Nick Cage was studying the Cobra for one of his movie roles. So that's how he was able to write it off for his taxes because he needed a Cobra for work. And they were like, yeah, I mean, let's see you do some acting as a Cobra. And he did. And it was so convincing that the IRS was like, yeah, yeah, you definitely bought that just for this
0: movie (laughs) technically it works under the law for me so that's nick cage for you but again it's the unbearable weight of massive talent hitting this weekend at theaters we're really rooting for nick cage are you rooting for nick cage too are you going to check it out the unbearable weight of massive talent or as the ads are saying they're not even wasting time with the rest of the title they're just saying massive talent so are you seeing massive talent this weekend at the theaters or bad guys or the northmen Please let us know your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com
1: hey this is Chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast
0: so let me get this straight we're gonna play a like a video game together or well
1: a... not exactly
0: okay fine w- where's the controller
1: Oh, uh, that's it's it's right here
0: this is literally a sheet of paper I don't understand what you here
1: you're gonna need these two.
0: Dice? You've just had. Are these even dice?
1: We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be?
0: Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire. Oh,
1: my friend. You have no idea. There's an Osferatu, Nosferatu. There's Vampires in Vitae, an actual play podcast, season two to Pop Culture
0: Cosmos. Well, we're back again at the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford and Melinda Barkhouse Ross right here for you. Before we head to the half-hour break and more talk after that, I know that you got a chance to see Lady Thor and Jane Foster in the first trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. I kind of questioned the timing of it because I'm not really thrilled with the fact that they released it two weeks before Doctor Strange 2 drops, but they just do the stuff whenever they want to when it comes to Marvel. I just think that you should focus on one thing And then focus on another because you've got Moon Knight and Doctor Strange 2 which needs a lot of attention from the viewers. The trailer was cool. Don't get me wrong about that. Had from a young Thor to present day Thor. Showed him working out. Showed him getting that weight off. Showed him trying to go ahead and, and work with his friends, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Then become distracted and now he's looking for something more in his life and You see that the issues there going on with New Asgard, and Valkyrie's having issues now that she's running New Asgard. She's the king or queen of New Asgard and and all that, and then you see a potential threat on the way as well. Your thoughts on this trailer? I really liked it because of the fact that it's, it's just a small little tidbit of what's going on. I just thought the timing of it. Can't you bring out the weekend after Dr. Strange 2
1: comes out? Wouldn't that make more sense? Not at all. No, not at all. Because now that the movies are coming out, what's happening is those movies are becoming yesterday's news as they drop. So you need to start the hype train now for the next movie. And everybody is going to go see the Dr. Strange movie. There's going to be the after credit scene. And it's going to have to be something related to the Thor movie. Otherwise, they wouldn't be pushing the Thor movie already. So I think it's just... Smart marketing. I think it's just like a a spider web to keep people coming down the train.
0: You know, I'm not going to argue with you too much on that because we all see what the chunk of change that Marvel usually makes. Yeah. Now that people are going back to theaters, we already saw with Spider-Man, No Way Home, did a ton of money, well over a billion dollars, could actually reach $2 billion before all is said and done. Then you have Doctor Strange 2, which should do well over a billion dollars as well. Maybe even Thor, Love and Thunder. So I really can't argue with that because people are now going back to the theaters. We saw last year where people were very hesitant to go back to the theaters. So you've got some mixed results, when it, even when it comes to Marvel movies. So I guess, I'm in a way, I guess you're right on that. I just think right now, the, the timing of it, it. When I talk to you, when I talk to Josh, when I talk to our audience here, I understand that most people, when they listen to this show in this format, they're already up to date because they've checked out what we've got on Pop Culture gospels, and they're up to date on pop culture or they get a, their, their tidbits here. I always try to think in terms of the general audience and in, in sometimes when I do, that's why I question why now, will really it get the general audience confused on what's coming up trying to get the Marvel stuff straight because we know when everything's coming out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the average individual out there that only shows up when the movie's hit doesn't really care, doesn't really know and gets confused when something like this happens for a movie that is this the one that's going to come out in May or is this the one that's going to come out in July? I'm not sure. So you really, sometimes when Disney does this stuff with the Lightyear trailer, a second Lightyear trailer dropped today, was it good timing for that with everything that's going on. So I don't know. It just seems to me that sometimes the Disney marketing machine just rolls onto itself.
1: I wonder if there isn't a little bit of, I'm going to use the word understanding, but I don't think that that's exactly what I mean. But I wonder if there isn't a little bit of insight that the marketing people at Disney have who have kind of accepted that the people who are going to go see a Marvel movie know what's going on in the Marvel movies and they don't need to attract a first-time person isn't going to come see a, the Doctor Strange 2 movie. That would be not, such a weird place to jump in.
0: Yeah, it is. And, but the thing, think of it now. We're now in, what, our 28th or 29th? I've got actually the list uh, at, at Pop Culture Cosmos. I have the entire MCU-related list there as far as the number of movies that's out for the MCU, the official MCU list. But we're now getting into the fact we're well over 25 movies in. The general audience has not seen all MCU movies. They only come in for the big ones. Doctor Strange 2 is going to be a big one. Thor Love and Thunder, they hope, is going to be a big one on top of that. It's just the fact that will this advertising for those movies supersede anything is brought out for Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, or for anything else relating to the Disney universe. Anything related. Even Star
1: Wars and Pixar as well. I don't think so. I think you're overthinking it, honestly. honestly. Yeah, I know I do. I, I think that that's where you are. And I think that people who enjoy Doctor Strange are going to go to the Doctor Strange movie. I think the Thor movie is the one that you're going to get Joe Public to. And because of that, and you can write it down somewhere, I think that the Thor movie is going to do bigger box office than the Doctor Strange movie.
0: You could be right on that. The only yeah. thing is that the advantage goes to... Doctor Strange because it's on that first weekend of May yeah usually best time to go see quote unquote the movies is that first week of May movie slot that Disney and Marvel have held down for seemingly centuries on end since they started doing it so yeah there could be a possibility you also got to remember though that when you start the movie in May not only do you have that big front end but you also do have, later in the month, you have the Memorial Day weekend where a lot of people catch up on their movie going, and that's where you could see a big hit for them as well. So we'll see. all depends on the the feedback Doctor Strange 2, I think, gets. We'll see what kind of legs it has as compared to Thor Love and Thunder. You're right. The Thor name has been, what, four movies going in now to Thor Love and Thunder. So we'll see what happens there. That's a good. It's a good way to go ahead and explain it. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I could be overthinking. You're right. I just... When I try to go ahead and talk to about what goes on in the world of pop culture, I try to make sure it's approachable to all audiences and not just the, the hardcore fans that are out there that often listen to our show. So I just want to make sure that that's communicated to a general audience because as I always tell you and as I always tell Josh and I always tell this audience, when a movie hits a general audience and has them investing in it or a TV show or a video game, that's when you really hit it big with whatever IP that you're trying to go ahead and introduce. It doesn't become a true hit until it reaches and affects a general worldwide audience. Sure. So yeah.
1: I, I can, I understand that. I agree with that. Also I was reading, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw, I saw the Thor movie described as Thor eat, pray, love. <laughs>
0: uh-huh, good point. Good point. Indeed.
1: Yeah. I just thought that was brilliant. What a great way to, kind of describe what a chunk of that movie is probably going to be like
0: and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun again yeah. it still has thor in that very comical taika watiti directed fashion that i truly absolutely love the fact that he still has that interaction with star lord and <laughs> <laughs> his interactions yeah. with the the whole guardians of the galaxy yeah but also the fact that they are reintroducing you to jane foster and that she now wants to be back in the MCU after she tried so hard to get away from it and escape from it. And now she wants to become a part of it once again. And now to give her the opportunity to be Lady Thor, as you see in the footage in the trailer, I think it's really a good shot that this Thor series actually really needs.
1: Yeah. And it was what I was really excited about because you really only kind of get a glimpse of her, but aside from the blonde hair, They nailed exactly how Lady Thor looks in the – sorry, it's not Lady Thor. It's just Thor. How Thor looks in that series of of Well, we're just trying
0: to make sure we describe it out there so people out there on radio know what we're talking about. When we talk about Lady Thor or you could say Natalie Portman's Thor as opposed to Chris Hemsworth's Thor. So I was just saying to cut it short, Lady Thor. I think that's what she's often being referred to. Yeah. She's no less strong. She is no less fearful in battle. She looks and like... And no she's less ready. worthy. Yeah, and no less worthy indeed. So definitely looking forward to seeing her kick some butt in Thor Love and Thunder. But what are your thoughts on the trailer that dropped the first trailer for Thor Love and Thunder? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a little bit more Marvel, including Melinda's thoughts on the Marvel Multiverse RPG, the latest episode of Moon Knight, Netflix has got some big problems. And MetaQuest versus PS4 R2. Is this war in the VR space already over? We'll talk about that on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx
1: Esports TV
0: Canada. And we're back with the program. It's the PC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford along with Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. If you see us next week at NAB, and we're real easy to spot, Okay, even in the sea of suits that are all (laughs) going to be out there, Can't be too hard to see us. You're going to see the press passes. You're going to see the pop culture cosmos. Go ahead and give us a shout out. Say hello. We'd love to go ahead and talk to you. We'd love to go ahead and give you thanks for listening to our show. So hopefully you will see us next week at NAB 2022 here at the Las Vegas Convention Center. But before we head on out, we're going to be talking about some Marvel again. As we talked about before the break, we talked about Love and Thunder. Now we're going to be talking some Moon Knight. Got a chance to see it. Episode four. They reached the tomb, or they reached a tomb. They didn't exactly uncover the secrets that they thought they were going to find, but they're still trying to go ahead and figure out what to do. But it took a weird turn into a insane asylum. So your thoughts on episode four?
1: Bring it. I'm really enjoying the series. I know that Hawkeye has a special place in your heart. Moon Knight might be doing that for me. I love it. And I know that the Brits have a problem with the accent. And it's something that the British are very particular about. That they are. I thought he's been doing a wonderful job. And I'm sorry. When he was talking as the museum worker, Stephen, I believe, is the one. Yes. um, Stephen from the gift shop. Yes. I was really enjoying it. I was like, oh, this brings me back to the people that I used to game with all the time from the UK. So I don't know. I didn't have such a problem with the accent. I get a little defensive, actually, when people start bashing that. I think he's doing a pretty good job.
0: It's been a source of a lot of conversation as far as how authentic it sounds. Is it good? Is it not good? Sounds okay to me. I don't have an issue with it. It's not something that I find distracting or annoying. I just find it that he's in a different character which is the ultimate goal right because you're going to see i'm assuming at some point in time the jake lockley character here along here in a second as far as that persona you didn't get to see it yet in episode four but you got hints to it when the situation where they were uncovering all the secrets in the tomb alexander the great did not expect him to be the one that they would be uncovering but there's still a lot going on he gets shot in the chest, and as he falls into the water, that being Mark Spector, because it was the the Mark Spector persona that got shot. Yeah. It suddenly changes into a made-up old VHS movie, a Tomb Raider, Raiders of the Lost Ark knockoff, and then transforms you into a, most likely would be a dreamlike scenario in a mental institution. All the main characters are there in different roles. <laughs> There's all these clues and these Easter eggs from everything that's happened to the series so far that's already there. Like a picture of the Swiss Alps where they started the series at for that sequence and some other things, cupcakes from the cupcake fan. And yeah, just, (laughs) which was was, so funny. Yeah. (laughs) If the wife was at his side inside that tomb, now all of a sudden she's been transformed as another patient that's there. And, Yeah, even the arch enemy, the villain that's there is in a different role as the doctor. So, yeah, it's so weird what's going on. And it all ended for the episode where Stephen Grant and Mark Spector actually meet each other. They give each other a hug and then they try walking down a corridor together in this insane asylum
1: and meet up with a hippo god from Egypt. So what's going on with that? (laughs) Who knows? But I am here for next week. It's popcorn already made. I'm so excited. I really enjoy
0: this one. It's really been good. I'm really enjoying it as well. I am so happy that this is really affecting you in such a positive way. And I'm really happy for that. So anytime somebody that I know is affected positively by something, I'm really happy for them. So yeah, I'm really happy that it's working out for you the way that Hawkeye worked out for me so far. I just want to see as what we were talking about, my daughters and I, as we were watching the episode is, Where are they going to go from here with the character? What is the purpose of the show? What is the central meaning behind the show? Where we're taking this as far as what his adventure is trying to do as far as stopping the god from rising again and all that. What are the ramifications if they do stop it or if they don't stop it and how that affects the MCU? What are the effects of the series? That's what I think is the big question I think that not only my daughters are asking, but... I'm asking that as well.
1: You know what? Knowing Marvel and the way that they do things, we will get some kind of an answer that's going to lead to an almost immediate question in the last like three minutes of the last episode.
0: (laughs) I'm sure that'll be the case. And I know everybody be on pins and needles to see what kind of end credit scene for whatever movie or television show coming up that they'll hint to. But I want to see again what this is going to lead to for the character of Moon Knight. I started this series stating that this was just for everyone out there that wasn't familiar with the character this was a get to know you type yeah. of series to get to know this character so he will be more knowledgeable to you when he comes down the road and most likely a movie scenario because I haven't heard him saying that he's going to come back to this as a television series so I'm feeling personally that it'll be something that was going to develop into him making a personal appearances on movies in the MCU going forward so We'll see what happens, but is Moon Knight Episode 4? For us, it's starting off really well. What are your thoughts as we head into Episode 5 of Moon Knight? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And before we head to the break, Melinda, I wanted to go ahead and hear the last part of our Marvel discussion, and that is the Marvel Multiverse RPG. I told people on the Monday show that you, as our tabletop RPG expert, (laughs) would have your thoughts as Marvel previewed the Marvel multiverse RPG this week with some interesting little tweaks, some interesting little twists and some interesting little additions and subtractions quite literally. Yeah. To the world of tabletop RPG that has a lot of people talking good and bad.
1: You keep saying expert. I'm hardly an expert. I just play a lot of games.
0: <laughs> if you'd have but... checked out. Well, okay. If I, <laughs> I'm going to tell our audience, if you'd have checked out the chat this week on the, demolition force rpg chat they would beg to differ because you were dropping some names this week and dropping some tabletop rpg action information that the general audience would not have known so don't (laughs) give me that
1: okay so from what i am gathering about it because i haven't gotten my hands on it yet but i plan to because i think we should play it you and me absolutely i'll run a game and you can be my player okay the thing that's Kind of a sticking point for me is that it's a D6-based system, but it doesn't seem clear how the D6 system works in this situation. So by D6, I just mean like a regular six-sided dice. Yeah. Where in D&D, you're using a D20, which is a 20-sided dice. So I don't understand why. Well, I guess as a game master, you can actually take a D6 system and turn it into a D20 system pretty easily. But a D20 requires a lot less math.
0: That's true.
1: And yeah, so that's something to think about. Also, from what I'm reading- Get your a, calculators out. Yeah. The core rule book that they have released right now, it's like 10 bucks on Amazon. I looked it up. And it doesn't seem like it's getting a lot of like real heavy, hardcore RPG players excited about it, unfortunately. They're saying it just feels like an absolute money grab this time around.
0: Hello, um, it's Marvel. Hello.
1: Yeah, right? Which which would be too bad of a situation. I would love to see it become a game that people start doing actual play podcasts for and, and things like that. But it seems like the game might be lacking a little something. And when you do pick up that core rule book, you do get over 100 pages in it. I can't remember the exact page count, but there is a short adventure that you can play in it. And I'm emphasizing short because it's two pages long and a really terrible map. is what I've seen. So that might be something for you to think about if you're looking at doing the Marvel thing. Gerald, I'm going to order it tomorrow morning when I wake up and we'll have to play through it.
0: I would love to, but it just seems to me that you're limiting yourself if you just go ahead and preview something like that, that you want to go ahead and borrow liberally from the world of Dungeons & Dragons and that you don't make it as accessible as the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Am I wrong in saying that?
1: No, I don't think so. You know, I'm just kind of digging back through some more of the comments. Always a lot the of, best place to go. Oh, yeah, definitely. But a lot of people are kind of taking issue with the, the D6 system for it. And they're also having an issue with because this is still a playtest oh. situation. So people are having a problem with having to pay for playtest material. And then giving feedback and then waiting for Marvel to do something about the game and fix it and then release it as an official game. So there is still a lot of work to be done on, on the game, but i mean spend the, 10 bucks on it.
0: Yeah, but it's still the concept of, OK, you want to go into it and it's Marvel. Let's go ahead and play it at, through the eyes of the Avengers as a group. You know, you have a OK, Hawkeye. OK, Black Panther. OK, Black Widow what do you all want to do or right. characters that you can make up and create in their own readers. We've seen superhero. We've seen Marvel tabletop RPGs before in the past. We've seen superhero RPGs in the past. And one thing that's attracted me to them is the fact that you could create your own superhero or play an existing one that that's already been created for you. In this case, yeah. Marvel and their gazillion characters.
1: To get started. All you need is this book, three regular dice and a group of friends. Players oh, okay. who grab the play test rule book will also have the chance to offer official feedback on the rules and help shape the game. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, there you so we go. It is, yeah, you can play it with a, with a group of people. But okay. Really, well,
0: then there you go. That makes me yeah. feel a lot better. Now it goes yeah. back to the dice and the mathematics, and then that's a different story altogether. <laughs> that's something I right. know that you said, and according to the comments are not yeah. really uh, happening. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but, yeah,
1: people. everything that I'm seeing is just, like, so much math. Why is there so much math? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that could be a problem for a lot of people. If you're spending time calculating and doing calculations and things of that nature, that could be a problem. Will it be updatable for Roll20 or an online platform that makes it a lot easier in some cases and made it more approachable for me to get back into Dungeons & Dragons? Roll20, I know it gets a lot of flack for being what it is, but it does make it accessible to players out there to go ahead and utilize and do a lot of the things that you don't want to go ahead and do, like count. Instance, yeah, it'll do right. it for you so <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: it's magic right
0: will it, yeah exactly so will it be uploadable to a Roll20 format and will that be something that, that will easily be added on that's something that's a, another question as well
1: yeah, well, I'm, and I'm sure that that's going to be something that's going to shape out the same way that D and D does, where they release the book, then you got to buy the book on D D Beyond, and then you got to buy the adventure on the tabletop RPG online gaming system that you're using for your virtual tabletops, and then you're gonna, you know you got to pay some for something else, you got to pay for something else. I'm of sure course. that we're going to come into that same kind of situation because it's Marvel and they ain't no dummies, right? So I can imagine it will eventually come to a virtual tabletop.
0: But if you already have the Marvel action figures, you shouldn't have to pay twice for other action figures, like the little tiny ones that you get from Dungeons Dragons. Oh my god! You gosh, already can got.
1: You yeah, everybody's going to be used twelve-inch tall figurines. It's going to be amazing.
0: There you go. I got Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go.
0: But it is Multiverse: The Marvel Multiverse RPG tabletop. It's already available for purchase and a what is it? A pretest. Condition,
1: yeah, it's uh, it's it's they're still in testing phases with it from everything that I can tell, and it's a playtest rulebook, is what is available on Amazon.
0: Well, it is a playtest rulebook, so if you're interested in seeing what the future may be for Marvel and tabletop RPG gaming, please go ahead and check it out. Or when Melinda gets it and uses me as the guinea pig, maybe some <laughs> others, we'll find out what it's like from there. But please go ahead and share your thoughts on the Marvel Multiverse RPG popculturecosmos at yahoo.com thanks for checking out the pcc you know the pop culture cosmos we'll be back in one moment if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation Two last big things to cover before we head on out. And one is someone losing a whole lot of cash. Yeah. As Netflix, their stock dropped by a estimated at one time $54 billion in value that they yeah. lost because of a poor quarterly showing. Putting aside all the subscribers that they lost in Russia, which I think is about 700000 Right. They lost an additional two or 300,000 worldwide with a guesstimate that they're assuming as well for the next quarter that they're going to lose up to 2 million subscribers beyond that,
1: yeah,
0: which again is a real pain for Netflix, which still has over 200 million subscribers. Let's still put things in perspective, but losing that much now has them in almost like a panic mode because we've heard in the past couple of days that, They have increased talks and increased awareness about the ending of the password sharing, which I think a lot of people are still talking about. And then the second thing that they've talked about is going to a lower cost ad supported format. And then the third thing that they talked about and that they started already doing is that they've nixed any idea of doing live broadcasting of any type, coverage of sports or concerts or anything like that because they, they want to make a profit before they can do it. So there's going to be no live event viewing through that platform. And the fourth thing is they're already starting to cut some animated features that they had in the pipeline, and the animation studios look like it's going to take a big hit, which you and I both were applauding a lot of the animated features which we were seeing on that platform. So your thoughts on this, because Netflix, again, I don't know if hemorrhaging money is the word right now you want to use, but things aren't looking as rosy as they did two years ago.
1: Yeah, well, two years ago, everybody was bound to their homes and you couldn't go to the theater to see a movie. And if you did, it was extreme caution that you had to have. And now people are venturing out again. The people are starting to emerge from their homes again and trimming the fat because gas prices are crazy food prices have gone up, sending a package anywhere costs you more than is reasonable in most cases. So Netflix is going to get the snip because I'm not home 24 hours a day anymore to take advantage of it.
0: Absolutely. And with the type of content now, we've always lauded them on their type of content that they keep on throwing stuff out there. Maybe since the first of the year, since Cobra Kai went off the air, maybe that they haven't had as much that people have had to say, okay, this is a can't-miss show or this is a can't-miss movie or can't-miss thing that they've done. The Atom Project, which I noted last week's show, was outperformed by Turning Red on Disney+, as far as the amount of interest and views on that. So we already see a case already where they can't throw out a movie and it'll just automatically be the, the most worldwide watched thing. Squid Game is, there's no Squid Game that's coming around the corner, or at least they're coming around right now, everything's relying on stranger things, stranger things. If that does not become a massive hit again for the Netflix platform, that could be an issue, but they've just brought out a trailer for it. People are really excited about it. There's talk about how many millions of dollars it costs per episode. I think there was speculated on that and articles we saw that they're talking about upwards of $30 million per episode. So they're spending a lot of money concentrating on that there. I mean, this is really becoming an issue for Netflix. It's a situation where they made themselves the biggest streaming platform on the planet. And now to stay there, that's an even bigger problem.
1: Yeah, I've got a funny feeling that with these streaming services, we're going to see a lot of ebb and flow. People are going to leave one, they're going to go to another, then they're going to leave that one and they're going to go to another. And I think it's everything is just going to keep circling back around like that. And it is going to come down to making sure that you are always putting out something innovative whether it's original content or reviving an old series and rehashing it but keeping it to the streaming service and and making it really good and, and finding ways to increase the water cooler chat at work I something think that's, that's got
0: to keep everybody talking
1: exactly yeah and i think that the ones that are able to figure out how to do that are going to be the ones that really do have the longevity this is no way the end for netflix no Gosh, no. It's a hiccup in their chug-along.
0: But when we talked about 220 million subscribers, that could be considered the peak of what they do as far as their future going forward. Could it be the peak? It may. We may be at the plateau and it's starting to go ahead and drift off the plateau. But you're right. If they don't keep on producing and showing out their content, which you cannot afford to miss, that's going to have everybody talking. Then you are going to have people shut it off because prices are getting higher. You have Disney Plus that's going to bring out a Pixar movie or Star Wars show or a Marvel series that's going to get everybody talking. In them, they can't go ahead and have any downtime because I found shows on other streaming platforms. I would have never found Severance if it hadn't been for that six-week buffer of shows that I kept on talking about. I would yeah. have never found Sanford's. And that's done big numbers for Apple. Plus. And that could be a, a streaming service that gets everybody going, especially if Ted Lasso comes at some point in time before the end of the year. And then you have HBO Max, which just reported that they now have grown 3 million subscribers to 78 million subscribers. So they've managed to grow even after they ditched the day and date movie platform that worked so well for them last year. So how well they succeed going forward. Like you said, with all these streaming platforms nipping at the bud and taking bites out of Netflix, Netflix is going to still have problems. Then you've got Amazon Prime still right there for you that's at 200 million subscribers that are always going to be a priority for people because of not just what the video part does but what everything else because people mostly have it for the shipping aspect and not necessarily the movie aspect. The movie and television stuff that they do is just a big bonus on the side.
1: Yeah. And I keep getting emails because I haven't activated my Amazon music profile. So they're starting to push the Amazon music stuff pretty hard as well. Where you
0: can listen to the pop culture cosmos each and every week right there on Amazon podcasts. Mm
1: -hmm. And Wizards in Wine and Vampires in Vitae.
0: There you go. What?
1: What? What? What?
0: (laughs) But I will say it right now. There's some signs of concern. There's some layoffs happening. There's some... Things being changed. There's some shows being cut. There's some things being done at Netflix. I want to say that they're in not full panic mode yet, but they are concerned and they are taking steps and they are looking to see what they can do to right the ship. So we'll see what happens. I think they see a future where they may have plateaued at 220 yeah. million subscribers and then they may level off to 180, 190. Million subscribers and have to live and deal with that going forward. And they have to now figure out ways to profit off that, as we talked about, with a lower price ad supported tier and a way to get rid of the password sharing so that will force people to go ahead and buy separate subscriptions for Netflix and all that. So we will see what happens there. But I tell you what, Melinda, things are not looking as rosy as they once did for Netflix.
1: And didn't Netflix promise that they were never going to do ads on Netflix? Wasn't that sure. a promise that they made?
0: I'm sure they did off the top of my head. I don't remember, but
1: hmm.
0: you know, I'm sure at one time that they promised said, I'm sure a lot of these places did I think video games. I know there are some video game companies out there that said they would never put ads in their video games, but that's a future for the gaming industry, yeah. not just on sports games that you're already seeing already. You're going to see it on all your games, most likely somewhere down the road. It's just a reality of way that these companies and entities can earn more money. I really don't like it. I don't want it to happen, but it's something that Xbox and PlayStation have talked about in the past week as part of putting ads on their games. So, you know what? People are going to have to get used to it, that there's going to be these alternative ways for these platforms to make money. So. We'll see what happens, but Netflix does have a level of concern after losing quite a bit of money on stocks. I'm, I'm sure they'll rebound to some extent as far as the stocks are concerned, but can they recoup the subscriber loss? We'll see down the road, but if you have thoughts on Netflix and where it stands and why you are or are not a subscriber, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, MetaQuest. <laughs> and Meta Quest 2 actually is the thing I want to talk about. The former Oculus Quest, right. which in the beginning of the VR reignited wars, as I called it, because VR has been around forever, but this version of the VR wars started really with Oculus and also started with PlayStation VR, PSVR. And at the first generation, a couple years ago, two, three years ago, when it first really started becoming a thing. PlayStation VR owned a commanding lead, and it was the dominant force out there in sales. But Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, Uh purchased Mm -hmm. Oculus Quest, Mm -hmm. and they came out with the Meta Quest 2. The PlayStation has come out with the PlayStation VR 2. We're now about a year in for each, and things have changed. PSVR, PlayStation has done nothing to support the PSVR 2 I have seen no ads for it. I've seen nothing as far as games for it, nothing as far as producing out. I know they produce stuff out there for it, but if I'm somebody that can't find it or doesn't see it as much, that's a problem because I'm supposed to be their target audience. And with MetaQuest, they're trying to grab from both sides of the tree. Not only do they have the ads out there that they've had for a while, but they're putting ads in recirculation during the NBA playoffs where they're talking about the complaints that a lot of people have that this is only for gamers, that VR is only for gamers, that they're trying to show you that it's not just for gamers kind of way. They're backhandedly bashing gamers when they do those commercials, but they're showcasing it to a general, again, a general audience that you can go on the international space station and have this cool type of experience or that you can have this exercise VR thing that you can go ahead and, have a great workout in a different type environment you could do all this great stuff travel and see things that you never thought possible through the MetaQuest vr2 and then you have the gaming side of it which they set aside and you think they bash gamers on a general basis but they just had a gaming showcase where they showcased different ips resident evil ghostbusters and many more so your thoughts on this whole thing MetaQuest 2 has taken a substantial bite out of this generation of the VR marketplace. Your thoughts as we go into a new wave or a new level of the VR wars?
1: Yeah, when you were talking about PlayStation and them not really supporting or not... Uh, what you know, have you heard
0: ads or seen anything on PSVR 2?
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, Yeah, I was thinking about it and I really haven't. The only real game that I have heard of that has come out in the last... like. I'm going to say eight months, you're going to have like three other titles, but there's a, a game, it's actually a tabletop RPG, of course it is, it's called Wraith the Oblivion, and it's like a spooky game, you're like an investigator, and there's ghosts everywhere, and all kinds of creepy stuff happens, that's probably the most that I know about new VR games that have come out recently, so there's definitely a disconnect somewhere for PlayStation.
0: Well, I just think as, as a whole, the VR yeah. community, the VR marketplace has not reached a large audience. This current ad campaign by MetaQuest 2 is probably the largest of its kind for anything that's done in the VR marketplace. Even yeah. above what Sony originally did for PlayStation VR, the original PlayStation VR, I think that MetaQuest is now going exceedingly above it because it's trying to reach a general audience sure. on the surface. And then on the side, oh, by the way, gamers, I know we just bashed you, but we have all the stuff for you too as well. So it's working so far because it's reported by IGN that in an article that I saw that they have up to maybe 80 or 85% of VRs that are bought are MetaQuest. So they've actually got the marketplace in hand by now, but it's still a small, concentrated marketplace, period. Let's keep things in perspective. Compared to consoles... People are buying right. many more Xbox series and many more PlayStation fives and many more Nintendo switches. They're buying many more of those than they are meta quest twos or PS VR twos. But it's interesting to see that meta is putting so much money into these ad campaigns that I'm seeing run throughout the NBA playoffs, focusing on that to a general audience, trying to wash away some of the hesitancies that people have over VR, that the general audience out there that has over VR, because the general audience out there has not embraced the VR experience as of yet.
1: Yeah. I think that there's, I think I would imagine, cause not general public really. I mean, I am I guess I'm a gamer, but I, I think that there's probably a large, uh, I still want to say stereotype that's coming with the VR stuff being a little bit hokey, being a little too cheesy and that kind of thing. So perhaps leaning into something more close to like what Peloton is doing but making it VR instead of something that you connect to through your overpriced bicycle could <laughs> be something. And
0: Peloton has not had the best of years either with all the yeah. 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 So with but, all the bad publicity there.
1: Yeah, so it could be a, a thing that they're borrowing from what Peloton did when they launched and trying to make sure that your bomb is going to understand that if she buys this headset, it's going to be something that she's going to be able to use as well. And not just something that you're going to throw a controller across the room and accidentally break the vase.
0: you right. Or is it going to get motion sickness or all yeah. the stuff that used to be associated with VR in the past? I'm still waiting for the Luma Room that I saw way back when at CES with Microsoft that you would actually walk in and experience everything by just walking into the room or it'd be lighting up your room and and interacting with the room out there, almost like the holodeck in Star Trek. So I'm waiting for that personally. It's going to be very hard for me to buy a VR experience unless I really (laughs) have to or my kids really want it, but we'll wait and see. But what are your thoughts out there on MetaQuest 2 and PSVR 2 and the whole VR concept and marketplace? Are you interested or are you all set to go ahead and be part of virtual reality? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at com. We're all finished. All set. It's been another great episode. Cannot thank you enough, as always, for sitting in with me, especially so late in the evening. But any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: Mark my words. You and me are going to play that Marvel game. Okay, that
0: sounds like a threat to me. All right. <laughs> you heard it here first.
1: It'll be you versus Thanos, episode uh, one. Oh, my gosh. I, th-
0: yeah, I need some help now. Thanks for telling me and let <laughs> me know at the last minute, multiple players, because I will need some help playing Yeah, that. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, absolutely. We'll have to get Josh involved. Oh, my gosh. That would be awesome. <laughs> we'll make it a special episode right there. The
1: absolutely. The
0: so for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Listening to a Weebie Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentFoundNetwork.com.
1: Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.